Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick. Let's begin with remarks from Latasha Fields during the recent Illinois Family Institute Worldview Conference at the Village Church of Barrington. Ms. Fields and her husband, Ronald, are the founders of the Christian Home Educators Support System, or CHESS. She's also the state coordinator of IllinoisForParentalRights.org. And Ms. Fields is one of the grassroots leaders of the 1776 Project that challenges attempts to rewrite the founding of our nation as defined by slavery. This important initiative provides an alternative perspective to the New York Times 1619 project. And Apostle Paul says this in Colossians chapter one, the awakening is to awaken to the price that Christ has paid to reconcile us to God and to encourage the body of Christ that this is an hour that we have to be confident. There's so many spiritual battles raging against us and we have to be confident in the faith and be not moved by the false teachers and these doctrines of devils. Not one of us sitting here today, not one of us that are listening are exempt from these perilous times and the onslaught of erroneous and grave deceptions that are hovering our day. But we know as believers in Christ that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And again, these battles that we face, we can name all the things that we see in the natural that are happening from the abortion industry, from the LGBT, the Equality Act, just many things, the toxic political climate. But I come to stand before you today and say that the main battle is spiritual. The main battle is is sin. That is the main battle that we're facing. And it's an assault against the gospel of Christ. It's an attack against his righteousness. And we have been imputed this righteousness from God. And it has been engraved upon the tablets of our heart for our salvation. We have an obligation to respond to this challenge. And the first obligation we have is to stand in the unity of the faith, to be in one body and to be one voice and to stand together as believers in Christ. And while we're standing, we have to continue to demonstrate this personal stewardship that God has given us. We have to uphold traditional family values that are the cornerstone of human society. We have to define conservative values and they are defined and they permeate our biblical worldview. And so we see since post-civil rights, there has been such a decline in our societal bodies that has been a reflection, as many have said, upon the church, upon the home, the educational system, and our government. Through these imprudence and growing effects of these sexual immoralities and just the subversion and undermining and unraveling of our foundation has been the interworking of an unhealthy society. As we know, God has designed the family as an expression of his spiritual truth. It is a reflection of his image to fulfill a critical role in the earth. God has commanded parents. Sometimes we think it's a maybe, but God has commanded parents to be stewards and to be catalysts in instituting and demonstrating a moral and practical way in the lives of our children to ensure that knowledge is carried from generation to generation. Parents have the ultimate responsibility to train and care for their children. And we do understand that many do have to relinquish their children to the public education system. And unfortunately, we're seeing that this has been a grave decrease in family stability. 
In this, we believe that it's incumbent upon all of us to hold in high regard our historical plight and the values that build strong parental guidance to teach our children their true disposition. In light of this, the onslaughts that face in this country, a lot of them are coming within the walls of the public education system. The current path that the government is on is designed to drive a wedge between parents and their children. The education agenda today is to usurp parental authority and it is biased against true diversity and it is intolerant of the family structure. This agenda destroys and distorts God's order and the fundamental rights of parents. Schools today have a one-size-fits-all immoral indoctrination that is highly saturated in sexual perversion and secular humanistic ideas. The audacity of the education system and government institutes to operate in such a manner is just disrespectful and distasteful. Unfortunately, we see the past administration has been responsible for the legislation of such travesties and have aggressively become closed-minded and seemingly have forgotten their place as elected officials that represents their constituents in government. That's why we believe that the ultimate responsibility again belongs to the parents. It is our inalienable right by God, which the state cannot destroy, cannot create or alter. We believe home education to be the best form of education. And we understand again that many cannot homeschool their children. Although sending our children to public school is acceptable in this society, we, my husband, and many of us sitting today do not support public education system. Another example of usurping parental rights is the constant battle in the health and medical freedoms, especially when it comes to vaccinations. African Americans are suffering the most. Some of us are even dying. Black kids are given two times the dose stronger than they need it. There's an increased risk of vaccine injuries in my community. They are six times more likely to die of asthma than white children. The black infants are two times more likely to die than white children. And black boys are three times more likely to develop autism by receiving the MMRI vaccine by age three. This is an epidemic. And as I stated when I was on Capitol Hill, there was a peaceful protest protesting these vaccinations. As I told everyone in the crowd that was there today, and I tell you today, that we are one in the body of Christ. Many say it's not a black thing, it's not a white thing. But I tell you today that the black part of you is being affected. I tell you today that the black part has a cancer that's eroding the side of Christ. And we must stand and fight for all of us. We must stand. Many states are leading these travesties, and unfortunately, Illinois is one of them. They're proposing mandated bills to criminalize parents that refuse to vaccinate, to restrict informed consent, to remove religious exemption. And the welfare system, the child welfare system and agencies, they are the same. They are using guerrilla politics to unjustly take kids away from their parents, removing children with no warrant, no proof of neglect or abuse. This is insidious, and our judicial system is failing us. There is this forces that are tirelessly preying upon the vulnerable of this community, reshaping children's temperament, reshaping their future, and rewriting narratives that demeans this country. Again, as they stated, I am a part of 1776. And there is an agenda called 1619 that has voiced, and many are voicing in the support of it, to say that America is forever innated with racism that African-Americans are forever perpetual victims of white supremacy, and that this indemnifies excuses for African-American failures. 
Moreover, 1619 defies America as intrinsically racist. This ideology is dire. It has dire consequences. They have adapted a curriculum that's in 3,500 schools, and it is in the high schools in Chicago, Illinois. The consequences to this is unhealthy. Can you imagine the children in 10 years? It's hard to imagine the youth today. This agenda strips away identity, it disallows heritage, destroys individualism, dignity, and free thinking. Indeed, slavery and discrimination was unquestionably appalling in this country, but it does not define who I am. It does not define who you are. There is a self-correcting spirit etched in the documents of 1776, the Declaration of Independence. This self-correcting spirit of freedom and truth is resounding in the founding documents of this country. Booker T. Washington asked the question, is not the American standard the Declaration of Independence? Bob Woodson, the founder of the Woodson Center, and me as one of the independent voices of 1776, we unite and we say yes, it is. We answer today and we say yes, it is. 1776 renders an alternative perspective of truth, perseverance, and triumph that resonates and exalts the past and current resilience of African Americans and commemorates the current continual progress of America today. In the words of Justice John Marshall, Parliament, in his dissent for Plessy v. Ferguson, he says that the two destinies of the race in this country are indestructibly linked together. He's talking about the black and white. He's talking about us. We are indestructibly linked together. Washington adds, and I say, and I agree, and I concur, we rise as you rise. We fall, you fall. When you are strong, we are strong. When you are weak, we are weak. There is no power that can separate our destiny. In this, as Christ said in Ephesians 4, 13 through 14, in this, till we come together in the unity of the faith and acknowledge the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness in Christ, then we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, carried about by every wind, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lay white way to deceive us. In my closing, salvation in Christ Jesus will restore family. Salvation in Christ Jesus give us all a sense of empowerment and confidence. It gives us a hunger and a yearning for education and for knowledge. And with that, we can restore our economic stability. With that, we can lay up an inheritance for our children. With that, that provides longevity of life and kingdom prosperity and eternal life. The Lord told Abraham this. He said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great nation, a mighty nation, and all nations, all nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him, and in that he shall command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord, to do righteousness and justice, and the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Amen. Latasha Fields with the Christian Home Educators Support System, or CHESS, IllinoisForParentalRights.org, 
and the 1776 Project. Now, after a brief time out, historian David Barton weighs in on protecting the Constitution, judicial activism, reading the Bible, and how slave owner Thomas Jefferson tried to end slavery. Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church. Do you believe that you need an insurance company or do you believe that God will provide your needs? And there are people that you've never met before who are gonna pray for you and meet your needs. There's another way. Looking for a new direction for your health care? Visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org. During this portion of Illinois Family Spotlight, a few highlights from a forum indicator featuring historian David Barton. The best-selling author is also the founder and president of Wall Builders. Mr. Barton took a few questions at the 2017 forum hosted by the Illinois Family Institute and the group Restore Our Constitution. What do we need to do to restore our Constitution? What steps can we take? Number one, we ought to know it. That's a good start. In the last election, 70% of voters who voted did not know the Constitution the supreme law of the land. 62% of citizens cannot name the three branches of government. By the way, 48% of elected officials cannot name the three branches of government. Um, so that's a good place to start is know what's in that document. People, we, we have Supreme Court justices right now. One just wrote a new book on why we've got to get rid of the Constitution. One has been on tour talking about how we've got to get rid of the Constitution. They don't read it anyway, so they don't know what's in it to even speak of, and I say that facetiously. There is this deal that it's old, it's outdated. Kids are told, you know, the founding fathers didn't have internet, and they didn't have smart devices, and they had no technology. They used horses and buggies. They don't know what we face. No, that's a bad argument, because what they gave us was built on principles, and principles do not change. The laws of gravity have not changed no matter what our technology is. The laws of motion have not changed no matter what our technology The Founding Fathers did not give us specifics about technology in the Constitution. They gave us general principles of human nature and human behavior, and that does not change. Technology does. So starting place is know that. The second place is know some of the history around it. Um, even though you can read about the Electoral College in the Constitution, until you know why they did what they did, you don't really understand whether that's a good deal or not. And so those are two, two things that make it really easy to restore the, the Constitution. If the Founding Fathers were alive today, what would they be tweeting? <laughs> <laughs> I think the first thing they would tweet is, I wonder how long America lasted before it went under. Because if they came back today, they wouldn't believe this is the America they left us. Um, they came back today, they said, whoa, whoa, whoa. The America we gave you never allowed court justices to have the final word. You, you, you did see that in the Constitution, it did not give lifetime appointments. The Constitution specifically does not permit lifetime appointments. 
How come we're all told federal judges get lifetime? They said, didn't you read Article 3 for yourself? No lifetime appointments. You get only for the duration of good behavior. First time a judge tried to overturn a law of Congress back in their day, they threw him off the federal court. They would say, this can't be the same nation we left you guys. There's five judicial myths that we believe today that federal judges have lifetime appointments, et cetera. That would be the first thing they would be amazed at, that we let judges make policy and not the people. So, and if you're interested in that, we've got a, a piece called Five Judicial Myths that goes to the constitutional side, but I think that's what they would tweet is, this isn't the country you gave you, how long did it last before it went under? But it can be the country again. It can go back in the right principles. Hopefully we've gotten rid of all the warts we had from back then, and we can go back to the good things and keep the good things. In this closing segment, David Barton encourages Bible reading and discusses Thomas Jefferson's efforts to end slavery. I was talking to you about John Quincy Adams, and John Quincy Adams, he was saying how important it is to read the Bible from cover to cover once a year. Uh, no book in the world deserves to be so unceasingly studied, so profoundly meditated on as the Bible. He said, I myself for many years have made it a practice to read through the Bible once every year. He says, my custom is to read three or four chapters, or excuse me, four or five chapters every morning. And by the way, I want to address that for a minute. This guy spent 70 years as a public official. He was a state senator. He was a U.S. senator. He was 17 years in the House. He was a Secretary of State. He was nominated and confirmed to the U.S. Supreme Court. He's the President of the United States. He was a foreign ambassador to five different nations. This guy, all that time, would read four to five chapters every morning, one hour. He'd spend, that's a lot of time. But I'm going to challenge you. If you have never read the Bible from cover to cover, make a commitment tonight to do that. I mean, that, that's just what used to be standard. And you don't have to do what he did. To read the Bible cover to cover does not take you an hour, does not take you four to five chapters. It takes you 3.2 chapters to do it. And with what we got today, with all the phone apps and all the Bible apps, I do this regularly. I have the Bible read to me every morning while I'm brushing my teeth and combing my hair and shaving and whatnot. 15 minutes. You can go through the Bible cover to cover Everybody's got 15 minutes they can put into this. And so make the commitment to go through the Bible, 3.2 chapters a day, go through it. It's more enlightened than anything else, and he continued. He says, I've always endeavored to read it. And remember, he's talking to 10-year-old kids. He says, I've always endeavored to read it with the same spirit which I now recommend to you. In other words, 10-year-olds, listen up. Here's the way I read the Bible. Here's the way you need to read the Bible. He said, I always read it with the intention and desire that it may contribute to my advance in wisdom and virtue. In other words, when I read the Bible, it is not a devotional book. I'm not looking to get blessed. I'm looking to find something I can apply. I want something that will change the way I think, my wisdom. I want something that will change the way I act, my virtue. I'm always looking for application, which is why I find science and business and medicine and, and all the things they find. You know, judiciary, they find it because they're looking for application. So if you do, God's got a great promise for us, Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8 says, constantly think about my word every day and every night so you'll be sure to obey it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. The reason America has been more prosperous and more successful than any other nation is we applied God's word more than any other nation. Now, we haven't been perfect at it, and the more biblically illiterate we become, the less we apply it, and the more we pay a price for that. But the same with you. If you will get in God's word and apply it, you will be successful and prosperous. So will your family, so will your church, so will your community. That's just the bottom line key to all of it. Final quote I'll give you to challenge. It comes from a book that Thomas, and by the way, it's inside the Jefferson Memorial, but it comes out of a book Thomas Jefferson wrote. First book he ever wrote was 1781. And inside the Jefferson Memorial is where you'll find this quote, and it's talking to the nation. And this is what he said. And can the liberties of a nation be thought secure 
when we remove their only firm basis. Now, I will tell you that Thomas Jefferson is also one of the five least religious founding fathers. That doesn't mean he's anti-religious. So he says, guys, the only way you can have national liberties is to know a firm basis. He said that firm basis is a conviction. Notice the word conviction. He said it's a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are of the gift of God, that they're not to be violated but with his wrath. He said, indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and his justice won't sleep forever. Now, your least religious founding fathers just said, listen up, folks. The only way you keep your national liberties is to have a conviction in your minds that these liberties come from God, and if you start screwing around with them, you're going to tick him off, and then we're all going to be in trouble. That's your least religious founding father? By the way, that quote is in there. That quote was in the chapter of his book on why slavery is wrong and why it has to be abolished. He said, liberties come from God. And if you don't recognize that and free slaves, God's judgment, he predicted a civil war if we didn't end slavery. Now, we're trying to tear a statue down today because he's a slave owner. He was. Yeah, he sure was because he lived in Virginia and state law would not allow him to free his own slaves. As a matter of fact, Jefferson went into the Virginia legislature and introduced the bill to abolish slavery in the entire state. Not just free his slaves, free every slave. Legislature voted it down. He went into the Continental Congress in 1784 and introduced a measure to abolish slavery in all 13 states. Missed it by one vote. He wrote, oh, that God would have changed one heart. We could have ended slavery. For 60 years, Jefferson led the crusade to end slavery and get equal civil rights. Today, he's one of the greatest heels that have ever been in American history. Why is it that, that black civil rights leaders across the generations, whether it's Benjamin Banneker, whether it's Frederick Douglass, whether it's Henry Highland Garnett, whether it's Martin Luther King, why is it they all praise Jefferson as a great civil rights advocate? It's because today we don't have a clue what our history is. See, because we don't, we get moved in directions that are inconsistent with anything back there. Yeah, Jefferson owned slaves voluntarily. No, he wished he hadn't. He wished he could free them. He was in debt $2.5 million. State law in Virginia not only made it hard to free slaves at all, if you're in debt, you can't free slaves. He couldn't get out from under. That's why we have the Library of Congress. He sold his library to try to get some money because he was so badly in debt. And today, he's a, he's a racist bigot. Doesn't hold up. But his point is still made. Liberty comes from God. The only way a nation has liberty is to be convicted that those liberties come from God and you cannot violate liberty without incurring God's wrath. So if you're interested in this kind of stuff, that's one of the reasons we did the book, The Jefferson Lies, because we know so little about what these guys actually believe today. Historian David Barton. Be sure to click the resource button on the IFI homepage for his book, American History in Black and White. And a reminder, with the November election nearing, make sure you're registered to vote. Also, encourage your family and friends who share your biblical values to register. Click the voter registration button on the IFI homepage and follow the instructions. Please invest in the work of the Illinois Family Institute. All donations are tax deductible. And tell your family and friends about Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, stay safe, stay active, and God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, 
stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.